Hello and welcome to Live Full. My name is Joey Schwartz and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. In this episode, we're diving deep into how the gift of tongues fuels spirit-filled prayer. How does this gift help us seek God? That's where we're going. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Live Full. It's been a joy to do an extended series on the gift of tongues and to be in conversation with you along the way. So continue letting us know how God is moving in your life by leaving a review and continue sending us questions, which you can do by sending an email to joey at caradox.com. This show isn't about making a name for ourselves or making a big ministry. It's about helping you experience the fullness of Jesus. So as we cover the gift of tongues, if there's any way we can help you lean in and learn and take simple steps of faith, let us know. There are all sorts of different stories I've heard about how believers have received the gift of tongues. I know of one sister who received the gift of tongues as a child when she was praying alone. I know of a brother who received the gift of tongues as a child while people around him laid hands on him and prayed in tongues. I know of another sister who received the gift of tongues after asking God for it for seven years. And I know of many who have received the gift of tongues in the midst of euphoric experiences of joy in God during worship. And I also know of those who, like me, received the gift unexpectedly in the midst of deep suffering and spiritual attack. The stories of how people receive the gift of tongues vary. But the stories of what happens to people when they receive the gift, those stories are much more consistent. There's a common theme running through them all. Prayer. When people receive the gift of tongues, their love for and devotion to prayer begins to steadily grow beyond what they imagined was possible. And when we look at what the Bible says about tongues, this makes sense. Remember, the definition of tongues, according to scripture, is a God-given, spirit-crafted language that fuels prayer in the spirit and forms Christ in us. 1 Corinthians 14.2, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.4, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. The gift of tongues is the spirit of God filling our hearts and overflowing out of our mouths in prayer to God with mysteries that can't be put into words. It's a language from God. God that's meant to be spoken back to God in prayer. It's an experience of the triune God, God the Spirit giving a supernatural empowerment for our spirits to pray to God the Father in the name of God the Son. So, of course, it makes sense that the most common indication that someone has truly received the gift of tongues is that their prayer life is fanned into flame like never before. This is my experience. Before I received the gift of tongues, I had a steady conviction around the importance and power of prayer. I had plenty of delightful experiences of prayer, and I had several seasons in which prayer was consistent and fruitful. But those seasons would often be followed by a season in which prayer was hard, dry, and burdensome. And while I had plenty of times in which prayer was delightful, there were probably more instances in which prayer felt much more like a duty. 
I had a steady conviction that prayer was important and powerful, but a big picture view of my prayer life showed that my conviction didn't always align with practice. I believed that time at Jesus' feet should come with fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, but more often it came with frustration over my distracted mind and feeble heart. Think about it. Is this where your prayer life is? Do you think that prayer is good in theory, but in practice it typically feels hard? Do you deeply enjoy reading the word, but when it comes time to pray, you'd rather move on with your day? Is guilt the typical emotion that you feel whenever you hear a sermon or podcast on prayer? If that's where you are, there is no guilt or shame or condemnation for you. I was there, right in that place. And for me, the turning point in my prayer life was when God unexpectedly gave me the gift of tongues. You see, prayer once felt like a desert to me. I would have to trudge my way through, but every once in a while, I'd strike an oasis. I would have an experience of spirit-filled prayer in which I knew that I wasn't just tossing up words to God, but God's spirit was filling me and speaking through me. Prayer once felt like a desert, but when God generously and graciously gave me this gift, though I did nothing to deserve it, Prayer moved from being a desert to being the dessert of my devotional life. And please excuse the really cheesy wordplay here, but it's genuinely one of the best ways I can think to describe it. It went from being the desert to the dessert of my devotional life. I started to crave prayer, like a man who longs to be back home with his wife when he's away on work. Whenever I was away from the prayer room with God, I wanted to get back to that place. But not only that, I was empowered to pray throughout the day. The obstacles of distraction, fatigue, busyness that once rendered me prayerless throughout the day no longer stood in the way between me and God. I was able to pray in the spirit even when my mind and body had already checked out in the day. And here was the big difference for me when I received the gift of tongues. Instead of trudging through the desert of self-disciplined prayer and striking the oasis of delight every once in a while, I daily experienced the overwhelming delight of God's spirit being an exploding oasis within me. And this is what Jesus promised in John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And it says that he was talking about the spirit. I am not telling you this so that you'll think I'm awesome. It's not true. I'm not awesome. And you thinking that or me saying that isn't helpful for me or you or God. The Holy Spirit through the blood of Christ is fully responsible for every ounce, every bit of renewal in my prayer life. I'm telling you this, brother, sister, to give you hope. In our difficulty with prayer, we typically resort to one of two options. Either we avoid thinking about or talking about prayer because we know that it will make us feel bad about ourselves. So instead, we focus on every other aspect of Christianity except the crucial piece of seeking God's presence. Or we just accept a deficient and difficult prayer life. We accept the belief that we'll just be bad at prayer for the rest of our lives until we see Jesus face to face. And I think that both of those options are tragic. I think they're tragic. In light of the beauty of Jesus and the pleasures of his presence, how could we avoid him? How could we accept a life of scratching the surface of communion with him? There is a third and better way. 
instead of avoiding prayer or accepting a guilt-ridden prayer life, you can ask God for help. If you will refuse to be content with anything less than a fervent, happy, flourishing prayer life and cry out to God for help, he will meet you in your weakness. And by the Spirit, raise you up to pray even when your flesh is weak. As Paul wrote in Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He's a helper. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. Our definition of tongues is a God-given, Spirit-crafted language that fuels prayer in the Spirit and forms us into Christ. In this episode, I want to dive deep into that first benefit of the gift. We're going to walk through three ways that the gift of tongues fuels prayer in the spirit. Let's dive in. through three ways that the gift of tongues fuels prayer in the spirit. But before we get there, I want to make a couple of points clear so that no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, you can lean in and listen to what God has for you in this episode. First, a key question to address. If tongues fuels prayer in the spirit, then is all spirit-filled prayer tongues prayer? In other words, when the scriptures talk about praying in the spirit, in Romans 8 and Ephesians 6 and Jude verse 20, is it referring directly to tongues prayer? And the answer is no. Not all spirit-filled prayer is tongues prayer, but all true tongues prayer is spirit-filled prayer. It's that classic example from elementary school, all squares are rectangles, But not all rectangles are squares. I would always get those mixed up, but I think I got it right there. All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. So all tongues prayer is spirit-filled prayer. But not all spirit-filled prayer is tongues prayer. Where am I getting this in scripture? The key text here is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 through 31. After talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit himself and the spiritual gifts that he distributes to each member of the body, Paul writes, quote, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, end quote. The obviously implicit answer to all of Paul's questions here is no, not all believers are apostles, not all are teachers, not all work miracles, not all heal and not all speak in tongues. But Paul writes in verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized in one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The implication is that there are believers who are baptized in the spirit who do not speak in tongues. These very same believers have access to the spirit in prayer and are commanded to pray in the spirit according to Ephesians 6 and Jude 20. 
these believers who do not have the gift of tongues are able to lean on the Spirit's presence and power to pray beyond their own strength, which I believe is the definition of praying in the Spirit. So not all Spirit-filled prayer is tongues prayer. But on the other hand, every genuine instance of praying in tongues is an act of praying in the Spirit. Here, Scripture is very clear. 1 Corinthians 14.2, The one who prays in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, for he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Uttering mysteries in the Spirit to God in prayer certainly qualifies as praying in the Spirit. So as I talk about the gift of tongues, I'm going to refer to passages of Scripture that talk about Spirit-filled prayer because praying in tongues is praying in the Spirit. But don't take these references to mean that in order to pray in the Spirit, you must have the gift of tongues. If I can step away for a moment from what is certain and authoritative in scripture to talk about my own experience, which you can test and must test before the Lord, I have found that the gift of tongues provides enabling power and enduring strength to access and persist in spirit-filled prayer exponentially more than before I had the gift. I prayed in the spirit from time to time before receiving the gift, but with the gift, I have access to spirit-filled prayer practically at any moment. It could be compared maybe to the gift of evangelism. All believers can and should evangelize by the Spirit, but the empowering gift of evangelism enables believers to preach the gospel with more frequency and fruit than they otherwise would have. So it is with the gift of tongues. One final word before we dive into these three ways that tongues fuel Spirit-filled prayer. When talking about the beauty and the benefits of speaking in tongues, it can sound like an indictment on those who don't speak in tongues. Because the gift of tongues has often wrongly been elevated to the litmus test of true Christianity, discussion around this gift can communicate a kind of arrogant judgment on those who don't have it. And I want to say from the start, while I believe that the gift of tongues multiplies the godly fruit that I'm going to describe here in this episode, this fruit is not exclusive to those who have the gift. Meaning, believers who don't have the gift of tongues can display every fruit that I'm going to talk about in this episode. But the gift of tongues simply helps you walk in it more. Think of it as if I was talking about the goodness of healing. I might say, gifts of healing fill us with the compassion of Christ. They strengthen us with the power of Christ and they advance the kingdom of Christ or something like that. And this is true. But of course, you would know that God's compassion and his power and the advancement of his kingdom aren't exclusively found in those who have the gift of healing. The gift of healing simply displays this in a unique way. So it's the same as I talk about the gift of tongues. What follows is a celebration of the goodness of the gift, not a condemnation against those who don't have the gift. If this episode sparks a sense of lack in you, don't let the enemy twist that into accusation. The Father is revealing that lack in order to invite you into more. I've said this before and I'll say it again. What the Father means for invitation the enemy twists into accusation. See this as God calling you to hunger for more. So with all of that behind us, let's dive into three ways that the gift of tongues fuels spirit-filled prayer. The first way is that through tongues, 
the spirit becomes the initiator and leader of prayer. Through tongues, the spirit becomes the initiator and leader of prayer. In the book of Galatians, after a godly diatribe against the legalism of the circumcision party, Paul wraps up his exhortation in chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Though Paul has plenty to say elsewhere about the holy conduct of believers, this is a good summary about the Christian life. How do we follow Jesus? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Is it really this simple? Early on in my walk with Jesus, I learned how to walk by the Spirit at pivot points and crucial moments. I walked by the Spirit when I preached. I walked by the Spirit when I had to make a hard decision. I walked by the Spirit when I needed to overcome sin and choose Jesus. But even though I believed that following Jesus was as simple as following the Spirit, when it came to the spiritual disciplines, and especially prayer, I lived as though I was leading God. I was the initiator. Yes, God would lead me through life, but it was ultimately up to me to pray consistently and long enough to be in step-by-step relationship with God. The problem with this approach was that I often found that I was too weak to pray. I was tired, distracted, unmotivated, spent. And because I wasn't strong enough to remain steadfast in prayer, instead of the freedom of following the spirit that Paul proclaims in Galatians 5, I carried a guilt that I wasn't doing a very good job leading the spirit in prayer. For me, the gift of tongues introduced the power of following the Spirit into my prayer life. I stopped believing that prayer was the one area in which I had to bear the load of leadership. Whereas my heart was once weary under the responsibility of carrying my prayer life, God shifted me into the joy of responding to the power of the Holy Spirit carrying me. In the miracle of tongues in Acts 2, it says that the disciples were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Paul says the same about the ongoing gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, that when we pray in tongues, we utter mysteries that come from the Spirit. Practicing the gift of tongues, see this, it puts us in a position of receiving from the Spirit and responding to the Spirit, even in prayer. The Spirit is the one who becomes the leader, prompting us to pray and then giving us the words to pray. He carries the weight of interrupting us, stirring us, and strengthening us to pray. And in this way, our job in prayer becomes very simple. We are called to respond to the initiating leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit is ultimately responsible for leading us, we can cast off the burden of the law that surrounds our prayer life and enter into the joyful Galatians 5 freedom of following him into prayer. This is how I've seen this work in my prayer life. Before receiving the gift of tongues, I really struggled to pray throughout the day. My typical experience was spending time in prayer in the morning, but failing to go back to God in prayer at any point throughout my workday. And like many Christians, I felt guilty about it. I wanted to pray more while driving on the road, but my mind was too distracted. I wanted to pray while waiting in line at the grocery store, but I would simply forget. I wanted to pray while meeting with people for coffee or lunch, but I'd get too caught up in the conversation and leave God out of it. But the gift of tongues changed this. 
instead of feeling like I needed to carry the weight of praying throughout the day with constant attention, reminders, and self-discipline, I was instead led to simply pay attention to and respond to the leadership of the Holy Spirit throughout the day. He would lead me into prayer. He would strengthen me to do it. All I needed to do was follow him. The burden of responsibility turned into the freedom of responding to the Spirit. The weight of sustaining a discipline turned into the joy of walking step by step in relationship with the Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that discipline doesn't have a serious role in our prayer lives. If you've seen our 3 to 30 prayer program or listened to any material on prayer that we've done, you know that's not true. You have to clear out time and space to train your soul to listen to the Holy Spirit, and that requires discipline. But the gift of tongues fills the discipline with delight in a unique way. Even as we bear the responsibility of waking up, turning our phones, and getting on our knees to pray— The Spirit reminds us through tongues that He's the leader, carrying our souls to the throne of grace. We are joyfully able to work out our salvation with fear and trembling in prayer because we can experience the power of God working in us, both to will and to work for His good pleasure, Philippians 2. That's the first way that the gift of tongues fuels Spirit-filled prayer. Through tongues, the Spirit becomes the initiator and leader of prayer. Now to the second way. Through tongues, the Spirit empowers our willing spirit to overcome our weak flesh. The Spirit empowers our willing spirit to overcome our weak flesh. When I talk to believers about their struggle in their prayer life, the same issues are typically at the top of the list. Busyness and distraction. Maybe this is where you are. You have good intentions to pray. Deep down, you believe that prayer should be a priority. But when it comes to actually practicing prayer, your flesh pulls you away into less important things. You end up giving 10 times more space for Netflix or Amazon or fantasy sports than you do for the living God. And then when you do finally create space to pray, you find that the time is filled with distraction. All it takes is remembering one unfinished item on the to-do list or one unanswered text and suddenly you're pulled out of seeking God and back to scrolling down a screen. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. This is exactly where Peter's prayer life was. Before Jesus' arrest, Peter boldly proclaimed that he would stick by Jesus' side no matter what. Matthew 26, verse 33. But just 10 verses later, Jesus tells Peter to watch and pray by his side as he's awaiting his arrest. And Peter can't stay awake to pray for even an hour. Three times he falls asleep on his Lord a tragic foreshadowing of the three betrayals that were to come. And so Jesus tells him in verse 40, so you could not watch with me one hour, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter had good intentions, but when it came to the practice of prayer, his willing spirit could not overcome his weak flesh. Is this where you are too? Well, Jesus had a plan for Peter, and he has a plan for you too. You see, Jesus lamented Peter's weakness, but he also didn't leave him there. He had a plan to turn Peter into a man of prayer. Through the filling of the Spirit, Peter would be empowered to pray without ceasing, with a zeal that would keep him in constant communication with God throughout his life. Through the Holy Spirit, Peter's willing spirit 
could overcome his weak flesh. His good intentions for prayer could turn into a life of experiencing the goodness of God in prayer. And the same is possible for you. It's possible. Yes, God can do it through God's gift of the Holy Spirit in prayer. I've talked about on this show the ways that we often downplay God's command to pray without ceasing in 1 Corinthians 5.17 or to be constant in prayer in Romans 12.12 or to pray at all times in Ephesians 6 verse 18. The most common way that I've seen these passages handled is that they're almost laughed at as if God is exaggerating. Well, we know that we can't actually pray without ceasing, so this is what God actually means. We lower God's standard of prayer to the level of our weakness. But what the story of Peter and the testimony of Scripture shows us is that there's another way to handle this tension between God's high call in prayer and the weakness we feel in our flesh. And it comes right in Ephesians 6, 18. Paul says, pray at all times in the spirit, in the spirit. If you are responsible for carrying the weight of ceaseless prayer, there's no way you could do that in your weak flesh. But if God's spirit, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, gives you his power and presence to pray without ceasing, then how could we doubt his ability to carry us into ceaseless prayer? As Paul writes in Romans 8, 26, the spirit meets us in our weakness, but he doesn't keep us there. He strengthens us to pray, even through groanings too deep for words. Now, let me take a moment to step aside from what is biblically explicit and talk a little bit about my experience here. Test this experience like all things outside of scripture. Even though I believe that there is biblical ground for this, I want to delineate from what is crystal clear in scripture and what you need to test before God. So here we go. In my experience, the gift of tongues has uniquely empowered my willing spirit to overcome my weak flesh in prayer. Whereas praying without ceasing throughout the day was once an unrealistic dream, this gift from the spirit has helped me take drastically greater steps toward ceaseless prayer throughout the day. Not arriving, but drastically greater steps toward that. And how has it done this? The best way I can describe it is that it has lowered the bar of entry into prayer and it has raised the fuel of endurance in prayer. It has lowered the bar of entry into prayer, and it's raised the fuel of endurance in prayer. What do I mean? Well, before receiving the gift of tongues, for me, there were certain conditions in my body and mind that had to exist in order for me to pray. My mind had to be focused, clear, attentive, and energized enough to remember to pray and then to start praying. So whenever those conditions were met, sure, I could pray throughout the day. But whenever I was weak or tired or distracted, which was a lot of the time, while I wanted to pray, I just didn't have the power to overcome my weak flesh. But now through the gift of tongues, I don't need my mind to be in an ideal state in order for me to start praying. Why? Because when I pray in tongues, my spirit is able to pray in the power of the spirit, even when my weary mind has to sit on the bench. And what this means is that God has lowered the bar of entry into prayer. Instead of needing my mind to be fully prepared in order to pray, I can start praying whenever the Spirit of God prompts me. A kind of funny and simple example is that I used to never be able to pray while driving. I was just too distracted by the road, thinking about getting to my destination. But now, by the grace and power of God, I love praying on the road because my distracted mind doesn't have to lead the way. 
All I need is the most gentle prompting of the breeze of the spirit. And the spirit's gift of tongues within me is able to respond to that prompting and follow him into prayer. And here's what's so beautiful about it. Though my mind typically isn't ready to pray when the spirit first prompts me, once I start praying in tongues through the spirit, after just a little while, the spirit of God warms and strengthens my mind so that I can pray in my spirit and pray with my mind. And that's also what I mean when I say that the gift of tongues has raised the fuel of endurance in prayer. What used to cut my prayer time short was feeling weak and distracted in prayer. In other words, because my mind was leading the way in prayer, whenever my mind checked out, my prayer time was over. But through the gift of tongues, whenever my mind checks out, I'm simply able to rely on praying in the spirit through the gift of tongues until my mind is ready to pray again. I'm able by God's grace and power to practice this glorious dance that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, when he's talking about how he prays with the gift of tongues. He says, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. When my mind needs to tap out, I shift into praying with my spirit. And then when my mind is ready to re-engage, I shift into praying with my mind so that my mind can be built up too. But because I don't have to check out a prayer whenever my mind checks out, the capacity for endurance in prayer with the gift of tongues is nearly endless. Because of the access to the gracious power of the Spirit, I'm able to pray with exponentially more endurance and fervency than I was before. I don't think it's just a coincidence that the apostle who said that he prayed in tongues more than any of the Corinthians seemed to have a ceaseless prayer life. In most of his letters to the churches, he always mentions that he is praying always for them. It was the power of the Spirit, in part through the gift of tongues, that fueled Paul's ceaseless prayer. In fact, uh, an interesting story on the side, I once read an interview of Jackie Pullinger, I think it's Pullinger is the way to pronounce her name, who has served as a missionary in the darkest parts of Hong Kong since the mid-60s. And the interviewer brought up a rumor that Jackie requires that missionaries who come and serve with her team have the gift of tongues. And Jackie replied, and I'm paraphrasing here, she said, no, that's not true. We don't require missionaries to have the gift of tongues. But the way we do ministry is that we pray for drug addicts to be free of their addiction for five, six, seven, eight hours on end. And typically, it's really hard to keep that kind of endurance in prayer if you don't have the gift of tongues. I don't think Jackie is saying, and I hope you don't hear me saying, that the gift of tongues is required to spend long hours with God in prayer. That's certainly not true. The point is that God's good gift from the Spirit helps us pray longer than humanly possible because, like Paul, we're able to lean on our spirit when our mind is weak. Through tongues, the Spirit empowers our willing spirit to overcome our weak flesh. Let me close with the third way that the gift of tongues fuels spirit-filled prayer. Through tongues, the Spirit's presence becomes the addicting reward of prayer. Through tongues, the Spirit's presence becomes the addicting reward of prayer. In all of the recent literature on habits, it is said that every addicting habit has three things, a cue, a routine, and a reward. Cue, routine, reward. The cue prompts us to perform the habit, like seeing our running shoes and putting them on. The routine is the habit, like going on a run. And then the reward is what comes after the routine, like a feeling of pleasure and energy that comes from exercising. Cue, routine, reward. These three things 
form every addicting habit in our lives. But what is especially powerful in habit formation is the reward. If there's not a sufficient and a powerful enough reward, we won't form the new habit. So when it comes to forming the habit of spirit-filled prayer, a really good question to ask is, what is the reward? The cue and routine are more obvious. We set aside time to pray and then start praying or the spirit prompts us to pray and we start praying. But the reward is less obvious. What is the powerful and addicting reward of prayer that is going to keep us coming back time and time again? The temptation is to think that the primary reward is God answering our requests. And to be sure, it is powerful to watch God answer prayer. But what if the answer to our prayer is delayed? What if God in his good wisdom and timing chooses not to give us exactly what we asked for? What's the addicting reward that will keep us coming back to prayer time and time again, even when we can't see the immediate answers to our requests? I think we get a hint at it in Matthew 6, verse 5. Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What is the reward of prayer? It's going to the secret place and experiencing the ultimate reward of the Father's presence through the Spirit. Didn't David say that in God's presence there was fullness of joy and at his right hand were pleasures forevermore? What reward could be possibly greater than that? It was the addicting reward of the Father's presence through the Spirit that drew Jesus time and time again into the desolate places. It was the addicting reward of the Father's presence through the Spirit that drew Paul into constant prayer. And I can testify that what has kept me going back to God time and time again like an addicting habit is not the expectation of answered prayer. Although I love watching God move, it's actually the expectation of God himself. I want more of God. The Spirit's presence in prayer is the sweetest reward that makes my soul crave until I can go back and have him again. And for me, the gift of tongues has allowed me to experience his presence in prayer with more frequency and depth than I had before. And this above all is the key difference that God's gift has made in my life. It's not about the gift itself. It's that the gift helps me seek and get more of God. It's about the power to hold Jesus's hand through every step of life and experience his addicting love through mountains and valleys and plains, through tongues. The Spirit's presence becomes the addicting reward of prayer. That's the third way that the gift of tongues fuels Spirit-filled prayer. Now to close, let me say this. At the end of this series, I'm going to devote plenty of time to give practical counsel about desiring the gift of tongues if you don't have it and fanning into flame the gift of tongues if you do have it. But I want to provide one action step here in case you're listening to this and saying, I want this. If there's a gift from God that helps give me more of God, I'm all in. So here's my challenge to you, and it's very simple. Over the next week, for the next seven days, clear out 30 minutes of space for prayer every morning. Just 30 minutes, the length of a short TV show. Give that time to seeking God's face. And what I think you'll find is that even in 30 minutes, you will run out of requests. You'll run out of everything that's on your mind. You may even run out of your own strength. And then when your thoughts have run out and your mind is checked out, and your strength has worn out, then what will be left? Space. Space to ask God for help. Space for the Spirit to meet you in your weakness and reach out His hand and take the leadership of your prayer life. 
I pray that with this simple step, you experience in a fresh way the addicting reward of the presence of God. We just covered how the gift of tongues fuels spirit-filled prayer. Next time, we're going to do another deep dive on the second fruit of tongues, how the gift of tongues forms us into the image of Christ. How does tongues help the body of Christ? We're tackling that question in the next episode. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Full, where our mission is to help followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. You can find articles, devotionals, resources, and podcast notes at caradox.com. And to stay updated on everything we release, sign up for our Three Things Thursday newsletter at caradox.com slash three things. Thanks to Charlie King for creating the music for this podcast. Thanks to our Caradox partners at Patreon for making this ministry possible. All of our listeners, thank you. This show exists for you. So thank you for listening and reviewing and spreading the word. Until next time, give your all to know and love and experience the fullness of Jesus. Because life to the full is life in Christ.